Young. Tyra, you guys we're tired of all your bitching out there. to another episode of the podcast it's your girl tyra (laughs) i'm sorry if the quality is not the best i tried to turn off you know the air and the xbox and the tv because they make a buzzing noise in the background but i don't really have a stable place to exist right now or live (laughs) so i'm kind of bouncing from place to place until i can find you know a more stable place to live so if you guys would support my um shop vegangirlgang.com vegangirlgangco.com that would be helpful so if you guys want to buy a sticker or a t-shirt or a bracelet we hand make everything me and my best friend Kayla so if you guys want to support me that would be helpful because your girl is needing some fucking coins <laughs> I am I need to find a place to live and be stable but anyway that has nothing to do with this podcast even just spreading my shop Instagram on Instagram or Twitter or whatever platform that you guys use would be so helpful and thank you to everyone that has been supportive it's just been so amazing to create things and to create you know vegan shirts that aren't like cringy (laughs) we have so many stuff planned for pride and so many fundraisers fundraisers that we want to do for the month of june to help the lgbtq plus community Uh, we have so many cool stuff planned so if you guys don't follow us it's vegan girl gang co that's our username on instagram and on twitter so today's kombucha of the episode (laughs) kombucha of the episode does that make sense (laughs) um today's kombucha my best friend kayla if you guys don't follow her her username is for sure a gemini on twitter and i believe she just changed it to that on instagram so you guys should follow her she's my absolute soulmate she is my co-owner with um we are co she's she's the other half of vegan girl gang and we started it together so you guys should follow her she's amazing without her i don't even know if i would even be her she's literally my absolute soulmate my best friend i love her to absolute death i would i trust her with my whole existence and so for my birthday which is on may 10th so shout out to my tours babies i'm sorry that we have to spend our birthdays in quarantine but i hope that you guys are still able to have a little bit of fun or do you guys some good food if you're if your birthday is this month and you are tours please let me know because i would love to wish you a happy birthday if i miss it but she for my birthday got me a bunch of cute things that i can't wait to post on instagram but she also knows how much i love kombucha and i didn't think i was gonna have another kombucha for this episode just because like i said it's been chaotic but she did give me a huge container like this extra large container if you guys know like the really big oversized containers of kombucha if you're a kombucha drinker you know what i'm talking about from the synergy brand but she got me the trilogy one from synergy the gts brand and it's like one of my favorite kombuchas ever so are you guys ready for this asmr ready Ooh, okay. I know I always say that was a good one, but that was that was a good one. Ready? <laughs> I'm gonna get straight into the topic, but just like a little bit of background of how I got to this point. I'm just finished recording two podcast episodes. The first one I recorded was kind of venting about vegan Twitter 
and cancel culture and you know the different forms of ways that I've been canceled on vegan Twitter (laughs) and I was kind of venting about it but then I just realized that I just don't know if that's you know you know the vibe that I want for my podcast I just feel like I'm such a different person I'm such a different activist than a lot of the times where I was in like a lot of not a lot but I was in like some controversies on vegan Twitter I try to not make any friends on vegan Twitter I don't tell anyone my business I just tweet what I have to tweet say what I have to say and move on I have a tough time opening up to people in general so felt like I wanted to do a not structured podcast episode because usually my podcast episodes I have lots of notes and I follow them pretty much to a T because I just like structure like that as a Taurus. And I always will say as a Taurus, I feel like I have to apologize whenever I say as a Taurus, but that's just who I am. Like as a Taurus, you know, tired of the Taurus, duh. Anyway, <laughs> but I just usually like things to be organized and structured. So I wanted to do an unstructured video, especially since I'm not video, but podcast episode, especially since my life has just been chaotic recently and I just am not pretty stable. (laughs) I just haven't really had the time to sit down and make a huge list of things that I want to talk about and notes. So I know you guys like my unstructured videos. Um, A lot of you guys' favorite episode was my first episode of this podcast where it was completely unstructured and there was no notes. So hopefully you guys like this one as well. So today I'm going to be talking about dating white men, white my experience with white men and that tea. I did want to give you guys an episode where I am being vulnerable and still letting you guys know a little bit about me but it is still staying true to like you know my topic about veganism and blackness and black rights and black perspectives and things like that and I think the perspective of me who has dated a lot of white men not but and I know like a lot of my family and not my friends my friends know that I like who I like and it could be black, white, Mexican, Puerto Rican, whatever. Like, I don't care who you are, what you look like. I, my type hasn't, and it shouldn't be this way. No one should ever have a type of a skin color. I just typically have dated, well, actually, I've only dated, like, I want to say three people in my life. Like, I haven't really dated a lot of people. I just have typically always, I don't know if I manifest people thinking that I'm ugly or people thinking that I'm not cute. I also just live in a very white area and a lot of the times it's hard to find people who accept you for your blackness and not like are fetishizing you in a way. I don't know if that makes sense, but a lot of white men specifically will fetish fetishize black women and dating black women so it's really hard to find genuine people to date and my personality type is so unique that I just feel like I'd rather be alone for the rest of my life than settle for mediocrity and settle for less than because I know my worth you know (laughs) so I kind of just wanted to vent about something that is vulnerable to me and something that is kind of emotional because again I did want to bring you guys something that is vulnerable because I hardly am vulnerable like all of my best friends I've lost like best friends straight up like I would give them my life because they always have just said it feels like you don't trust me it feels like you don't open up to me so this year I have been trying to be more open with my friends 
I've come out a lot of my shell with my best friend, Kayla, and I tell her a lot more than I used to. I met Kayla back when I was a freshman and I never really talk about myself. So this whole year I've been trying to be more open. I've told her some of my like... (laughs) create like some of the secrets that I just can't even imagine telling anyone and it's been really cool even though I'm still working on it I have a lot of PTSD from opening up to people so I'm trying to be more open so I still wanted to give you guys a podcast episode that is vulnerable like me you know talking about being canceled and stuff on vegan twitter but it just felt like that episode was more negative and not really productive. So I felt like this was a little bit more productive. So I'm scared to kind of talk about this because like I said, it is something that's so vulnerable to me. So I hope that you guys enjoy it and please let me know if you guys do. So today I want to talk about dating white people um, in general. I remember when I, and also trigger warning, I guess, (laughs) I'm going to be talking about sexual assault and sexual violence. So if you are triggered by that, then this podcast episode may not be for you. And I have plenty of other podcast episodes that you guys can listen to. (sighs) I feel like I'm literally already sweating and I'm getting chills at the same time. It's so bizarre. I'm so nervous to talk about this, but (sighs) okay. Sorry. I know this is like out of character for me because normally I'm a pretty blunt person. But this topic is just so personal to me. So I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, let's get into it. So my I guess my first experience with a white male, like I said, it's not my preference. I don't have a preference. I usually like if I'm going to have a preference, I like nerds. I like guys who are very nerdy and study a lot and like to read and are into like science and history and like whatever kind of, you know, like spirituality or like you know nerds basically I don't really like jocks or football players or people who work out a lot and think that they're just like not not that everybody that works out a lot is conceited or anything like that it's just not really like my type I guess my type would just be like more of a nerdy guy not skin color (laughs) you know what I mean so anyway um I guess my first kind of crush was in uh, I don't remember when I started to like him let's say third grade and I liked this guy and he uh, he was white he didn't live too far away from me and I remember this girl who we were kind of like frenemies we would sometimes be friends and then sometimes we'd be straight up villains to each other and so you know like petty little kid stuff but I remember we both liked this guy and I remember I went to my best friend my elementary school best friend house for a sleepover and this has nothing to do with like liking white guys but it is something about racism and you know something that I think is interesting that happened to me is while I was spending a night I was at her my one of my best friend's houses and she had a sister and we all wanted to go swimming but I didn't know we were gonna go swimming so I was always a little bit more developed I always had you know like a little bit more of like a figure in my thighs I was never fat or overweight or anything not that that's I'm not calling I'm not saying that that's I'm not saying that's a problem (laughs) I'm just saying that I was always really skinny but I was really curvy I've always had you know a little bit more of a chest bigger boobs bigger not really butt necessarily I just had a lot of thighs (laughs) so I was a little bit more developed 
than you know my friends so my friend was like you can wear one of my sister's swimsuits since she you know is a little bit older than me so she lended me her swimsuit her sister's swimsuit and we were fine she also let the girl who likes the same guy as me so basically if you're confused there's three of us there's me my elementary school best friend who lent me her sister's swimsuit and then the girl who um likes the same guy as me who's like my friend of me <laughs> so we were all in swimming and it was great and we had a good time and her my friend's mom was making us food and so I remember we were coming back in from swimming and her my friend's sister saw me in her swimsuit and she completely freaked out she was like you like how dare you give this random my swimsuit I don't know what kind of diseases she has and like I'm mind you like in third grade like what (laughs) and so I remember she was just freaking out and I started crying because she was saying all these erratic crazy things about me that I didn't really quite understand was racist at the time and I don't remember exactly what she said but it was racially motivated she just kept saying I don't know what kind of diseases she has I don't know where her family's from I don't know who's mouth she's been on and just like all this weird stuff to say to a third grade black girl as a white woman who was older and she was I want to say in like middle school but I mean she's still older you know so it is kind of weird to be yelling at this third grader and 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 that's another thing that happens to black women is that we usually get hypersexualized even when we're younger so people view us as being a lot older than we are usually because we look a little bit more developed but they don't allow us they don't usually treat us as children this is a huge problem you can google it where black women or black children little girls are not treated as you know the same as like a white little girl we are hypersexualized. so she was assuming I was doing all of these sexual acts with these random men and just as a child you know and at the time I didn't really understand but now that I'm older I understand that it was racially motivated and racist and her family's a huge Trump support family now I believe so that makes sense or if they're not Trump supporters now they are just you know not really liberal they're a lot more conservative so I guess now that I am older I can kind of you know put pieces together a little bit more but I just remember crying and I was so upset and so that situation Sorry, my dogs are barking. My dogs started barking and it like kind of frazzled me. And now I'm not exactly sure what I was talking about, but I'll just move on with the story. So that swimsuit situation happened. So I was a little bit frazzled. I was sad and I was scared. I just remember feeling weird. I didn't quite understand all the sexual weird things she was saying to me because again I'm in third grade I'm a very I've always been a very sensitive and innocent child even even in high school I was very vulnerable I was very naive I was very innocent and I was very trusting so I I didn't understand like all these sexual things she was throwing at me so I remember just feeling weird I was still I wanted to go home and I didn't want to be I didn't want it to seem like a baby this was I think the first time I had ever even been to my friend's house even though we had been best friends for a while which is also a little bit weird because she would always come to my house but for some reason I never went to hers I don't know why but it was a little bit bizarre but I remember just thinking like I want to be able to come here again and I don't think I ever actually went back now that I think about it I'm pretty sure I didn't but I didn't want it I wanted to you know enjoy this time with my best friend because you know we were best friends so I wanted to spend a night at our house so I sucked it up and I remember that night we were all 
sleeping or we were all just sitting on the top of my friend's bunk bed and we were talking about our high our crushes that we had you know in at our school and I told them my crush let's give him a fake name what should we call him we'll call him mayo (laughs) because okay also he started being he's an asshole now in my opinion and so I don't feel bad calling him mayo so we're gonna call him mayo so there you go if you're a fan I don't give a fuck but here we go so we both liked mayo and so I said that, oh well I guess I said that I liked mayo and then my frenemy which I'll just call her frenemy <laughs> and then frenemy was like oh I also like mayo so we both just we both found out that day that we both liked mayo even though we both kind of knew each other liked mayo we just kind of ignored it but this was the first time that we aired it out that we both like mayo so <laughs> I'm laughing every time I say mayo it's hilarious okay sorry Anyway, so I remember she got very upset that I liked Mayo because I remember her family was pretty close with Mayo's family. So I think she just kind of felt like she more so had dibs on Mayo than me. And I'll never forget this because it was one of the first times it was one of the things that shaped me into realizing that not realizing because this isn't true. But as a child, even into college, I believed that I was less than I always believed that because I was black. I was I just was like not less than white women just that I believe that society viewed me as less pretty and less beautiful and less worthy worthy of like love which is kind of sad and it's not like a failing of my parents or anything everyone my whole life had always told me that I was so tall I've always been so tall and skinny and everybody would always say she's so gorgeous she should be a model and I never understood it I looked in the mirror and I never thought I was pretty I never felt it I always was confident but it wasn't like I knew I was pretty it was just that I was this is who I am and I'm confident in that way which is a little bit weird and kind of it doesn't really make sense I was never not confident I would stick up for myself but I also knew that I was ugly and it was a weird kind of dynamic that I had and like a fight that I would have in my head that just didn't really make sense so I remember friend of me got so mad that I liked mayo that she looked me dead in my face and she said and god it just this just shaped me so bad. I just, that's why I still remember it to this day. She looked at me and she said, well, he will never like you because you're black. (laughs) And now like looking back on it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. Like, oh, like this child said that she'll never like you because you're black. But one, when you don't fully understand racism, when your school system doesn't teach you about racism, when they don't make you feel welcome especially majority of my teachers were white I had a lot of issues with racism with my teachers so when you're not taught when the only person that's kind of teaching you about racism and about blackness and feeling beautiful and about black pride is your parents you typically you know you know you trust your parents and you know you believe them but when they're the only and it's not like they were my mom was the only one that would tell me I was pretty so many people would tell me that I was pretty and that I was tall and that my eyes are nice and like this and that and that I just never believed it but when your parents are kind of you know the only ones when you're growing up really teaching you about blackness and feeling beautiful in your skin you just kind of don't take it as 
serious I don't want to say that because not every black person experiences is the same but you know it's like when your parents tell you you're pretty but you won't really accept it until your crush says it you know when you're a kid it's kind of something like that so she just said you know he'll never like you because you're black and that kind of and I didn't under like I said I didn't really understand racism at the time But I just always in my head for some reason when she said that now, which carried me into my adulthood, always just kind of accepted that I was going to be looked at as uglier than white women because I was black. So I remember just never really pursuing Mayo after that. I always liked him and I remember I invited him to my fifth like my fifth grade promotion ceremony party and I remember he came and I was so excited and I told all my friends that didn't go to my school that went to my church that I was so excited because he was there and I still liked him and I still made that known to you know my friends and stuff but I never ever tried to you know pursue him or anything like that because I knew that he wasn't you know gonna like me because I was black so that was kind of my first introduction into you know white men my first like encounter or crush with a white guy and it wasn't until let's see I remember in seventh grade is when my second encounter happened I didn't actually like this guy he just sat behind me and his other friend sat next to me as well And I remember he would always grab, you know, my boobs and I always had, you know, pretty big boobs because like I said, I was a little bit more developed. My boobs are huge now. Like, and so I've always, you know, was a little bit more developed and that was kind of, that's kind of the time period, you know, when you're figuring out your body, you're going through hormones, you're really, you know, into the opposite sex or, and not even just the opposite sex, obviously, you know, you could be into whatever gender or whatever sex that you want to fucking like. You're just really, your hormones are fucking going all over the place and you're just horny little children. You know what I mean? But you don't really quite understand what it is. I'm not excusing that. I'm just saying that that's the kind of the time period where this is happening in, you know, seventh grade. And I remember he would, you know, grab my boobs and I would like get so irritated and mad and I didn't quite understand why he would do that and I remember he would started he started to get his friend to also you know grab my boots and they would do it while the teacher's back I remember it was in I don't actually want to say what class it was just in case somebody can somehow figure this out but it was in one of my morning classes and I remember he would get his friend to start grabbing my boobs too whenever the teacher would turn around or write something on the board or go to her desk or we would watch a movie or something in class I remember he would always grab my boobs and he started to get his friend to do it. And I remember one time I because I would always just let it happen. And I remember one time I asked him, you know, why do you grab my boobs when my best friend at the time, you know, it's a different best friend than I had in in elementary school. But my best friend at the time in middle school, we both were pretty developed. She was white. We both wore the same size boobs. We both had the same body type. And, you know, we shared a lot of similarities physically. So I remember asking him one time, you know, like, why do you harass me? Basically, I didn't say harass, but I said, why do you always touch my boobs? Why don't you touch, you know, so-and-so's boobs who is, you know, pretty built the same as me and I remember he said well because we don't get in trouble if we do it to the black girls but we'll get in trouble if we do it to the white girls and so that taught me that I shouldn't say anything to like like my principal or my teachers or anything because 
in my head, I just thought, oh, well, they're not going to do anything if it's and obviously they had learned somewhere that if they harass black people, they won't get in trouble. But if they do it to a white girl, they will. And that's another thing that just happens to black women so often is that like I said, our bodies are hypersexualized, and even just when it comes to reporting sexual assault and things like that, we typically don't get, I mean, sexual assault cases typically just, obviously, we've seen, we literally don't care about sexual assault. We just kind of let, I mean, both of our presidential nominees have been accused of multiple, multiple, multiple acts of sexual misconduct and assault. And as a society, as a, I guess, yeah, like as a society, we just don't value it at all. And we don't really care about women and their bodies enough to do anything about it. That's why, you know, we allow Joe Biden and, you know, Donald Trump to get away with multiple counts of sexual assault while being nominees. That's why they have to, that's why Joe Biden dropped out for plagiarism before, but he won't drop out for sexual assault. It's because we are telling, we have as a society have told women that we care more about plagiarism than we care about sexual assault or we care more about X than we care about sexual assault. So especially, so I'm not just saying that, you know, people don't take white women's cases of sexual assault seriously because they don't, but especially they don't take POC women of color cases of sexual assault seriously at all. So I'm obviously at the at in seventh grade I didn't know all of this but I just was aware from them saying you know we can do it to the black girls I just thought at that age that it's okay that they're doing not okay but I just knew I wouldn't get any justice from a young age if I were to say anything and I remember my PE teacher actually saw one of my one of the one of the guys that I was talking about assault me and he didn't say anything and didn't do anything so that kind of also was validation that this would be allowed to happen and people and I'm not saying that my you know my other teachers or my principal wouldn't have done something but I just in my head thought you know nothing's gonna happen for me because no one's gonna believe me and no one's gonna take my self seriously <sighs> I'm sorry this is like a lot and it's really heavy okay if you're listening just shake it out <laughs> I don't like I don't know if you feel heavy probably because it's my experience so obviously I lived through these things so yeah so all right shake it out and let's let's move on because it, it doesn't get any better <laughs> I, I wish that it did but it doesn't so I went to the same school you know as the two when the two boys were assaulting me in seventh grade I went to the same school from sixth grade to tenth grade it was a charter school so we didn't have a lot of boys that went to our school. We didn't have a lot of black people that went to our school. So I wanted to experience what it would be like to, you know, date guys, because especially the guys that went to my charter school, if if they were looking for girls, it was definitely white girls. And if they weren't looking for white girls, it was pretty rare. So I remember one of my childhood best friends that I grew up with for a long time, we were both black and we both went to this charter school. We both struggled a lot with our blackness and feeling beautiful and just the amount of hate that we internalized together. I think we just kind of marinated in 
inner feelings of not feeling valid and having so many people dislike us because we were black girls we just went through a lot of hell for that so I remember I wanted to go to a public school and experience what it would be like to go and actually have a guy like you and actually go to school with multiple different black people so I remember I convinced my mom to let me switch schools for my 11th grade um what is that called sophomore no junior year I convinced her to let me go to public school because this was a charter school that I was going to and I convinced her to let me go to public school for my junior and senior year of high school and I remember I really really liked this guy and I don't understand why I liked him (laughs) he was very ugly and not cute at all but and I didn't even I don't know why I liked him but I did for whatever reason. So I remember he went to the school and I really wanted to go to school with him and I really wanted to pursue him and I really wanted to be with him. And not just him, I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to experience what it would be like to go to prom with a guy and go to homecoming with a guy and, you know, go through different crushes and that whole experience. So I remember my first day of junior year, me and Kayla went to the same school together because me and Kayla met met actually at the charter school my freshman year. She left for sophomore year and then we both went to this public school for junior year. So hopefully that makes sense. So that's where I met Kayla. And when I found out she was going to the public school, that kind of convinced my mom a little bit more to let me go to public school because now I would have Kayla and also the childhood friend that I was talking to you about that we kind of struggled with our blackness a little bit. She also was going to the public school. So we were all going to go together. So I think that that kind of gave my mom like a little bit more of a lenience to let me leave this performing arts school that I was going to. And it wasn't expensive or anything. It was free. Um, It's a charter school. But anyway, so I remember the first day I was still figuring myself out. I went through a lot of different phases. If you ask my mom, she'll tell you. But I was in my emo phase where I liked Paramore and Panic at the Disco and Asking Alexandria and Slipknot and all these weird, not weird, those are not weird at all. But I just, I I really liked indie music like Two Door Cinema Club and Passion Pit and the Postal Service and Death Cab and Cutie and like all of these like alternative indie rock bands. And I was really into that and I swooped my hair in my face so it would cover majority of my face and I wore super dark makeup and I was like super emo and I like loved that about me. (laughs) I remember I saw the guy that I was talking to you that I was telling you guys about um, on the first day of school and he looked at me and he like kind of acknowledged me but then he just because we had been talking you know over the summer and I told him I was gonna go to that school and he had been telling me like once you get here like we can finally start dating and we can go out and like you can eat lunch with me and I thought that we were gonna you know be friends so once I got to the school and he saw me for the first time and he didn't really acknowledge me I thought it was weird but I thought maybe he just didn't want you know his friends to like see him talking to a girl or something so I didn't really think anything of it oh girl that was just not the case at all so I remember he uh, I remember for homecoming he told me he was gonna take me to homecoming but then turned out that he had a whole girlfriend that he wanted to that of course he was gonna go to homecoming with and I don't really know what ended 
up happening with that. I don't know if they ended up even going together, but I remember I was like so determined. I was so upset, one, that he lied to me about being with this girl. I remember my friend, one of my friends, Gigi and Kayla, they both went to homecoming with me. Gigi didn't go to my school. She went to the charter school, but you know, she got one of the little guest passes to go to the homecoming with me. So I remember Gigi and Kayla, we all like got dressed up to go to homecoming and I felt so cute. I was in my little, I was in my little, my little hoe dress. <laughs> my boobs were looking good and I was skinny and I wore heels and my makeup was perfect. It was not perfect at all. It was awful. I look back at that picture and I'm like, girl, you really thought that you were doing something. And I wore these big pink earrings and it was so ugly <laughs> but at the time I just felt so confident and cute and I was like I'm gonna get him and I'm gonna show him what he's missing out on which girl like what he's missing out on like okay <laughs> like girl come on you deserve so much more but at the time I, I I didn't know but so I remember I walked past him at homecoming and I was like ha gotcha and I remember he just kept staring at me and kept looking at me up and down and he was texting me telling me how cute I looked and how awesome I looked and how he wanted me to come you know outside so we can make out and this and that and I was like no and I was playing hard to get which is good girl good for you like at least at least you didn't just give in but anyway so long story short I know like that's like a huge background but so he just kind of played with me all high school he would text me sometimes tell me that he liked me and that he loved me and that he wanted to be with me but he would say you know and he ended up saying like little small things like I don't want my friends to see me with a black girl or I don't want my friends to see me you know with you know someone as dark as you or I don't want my family to know that you know I like a black person and just all this internalized hatred that I had for myself at the time I was okay with that because I was so used to white men you know treating me awful <laughs> and telling me you know like how less than I am and just white women in general too just people and especially black men a lot of the black men that live here idolize white women and they would put them on a pedestal so they would make make it known that you know they like white girls only and you're too dark and you're burnt and a and so like I like white girls I like their hair better you know it was just like I had all of those different things in my head you know black men hating me because I was black and white men either fetishizing me or telling me that they would never like me because I was black and then white women acting like they were superior to me because I was black so I had a lot of internalized hate and I normalized that in my head and I thought that that was what is normal and that's just what you're going to have to deal with as a black woman and I didn't really get that. So when he would say things like, oh, you're black and I just can't be seen with you because of that, I accepted it a lot because I thought that that was normal and I just thought that that is just how it would have to be and that I even felt bad for him at some times that he liked me but he was so ashamed of being with me which is just so awful anyway so I remember one time he texted me and said that he was finally ready to you know be seen with me and go out with me and he was going to take me to the homecoming game um one of the football games and I remember he was on the football team so he wanted me to come watch him play and that we would like hang out after homecoming you know the dance I mean um, the game and we would hang out once you know he was done playing and he you know wanted to hold my hand and he wanted to kiss me and he wanted to you know buy me food after and it was supposed to be you know fun and oh my god sorry I like feel like I'm gonna cry but 
I so this day comes he'd been talking about taking me to the homecoming dance for or homecoming game actually whoa was this the homecoming game because I believe the homecoming dance happened I don't really remember if homecoming the game happens before the homecoming dance I'm not exactly sure but I do know the dance came before like the dance where he was supposed to take me but then ghosted me because you know he had a girlfriend came before this situation happened so I want to say it was the homecoming coming game but maybe it was just a normal football game I'm not exactly sure but I do remember it was like a pretty big game I don't know if we were playing a rival school or maybe if it was the homecoming actual game but not that it matters I just always feel like the details matter especially if you're ever gonna talk about serious accusations I people want you know things to be like perfect and no type of uncredible whatever I'm sorry I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna talk I'm sorry <laughs> anyway so like I said I, just, I don't really remember if it was the homecoming game or if it was just a big rival game so I remember I was in my room and he was texting me and he told me that he was gonna pick me up so I asked my mom and I said hey I'm gonna go to the homecoming game with a few friends is that okay and at first my mom was very protective over me she would not let me do things and now that I now that I look back on it, I'm very grateful for how overprotective my mom was, even if sometimes it was a little bit too much. But I'm actually very grateful for that because she probably saved me from a lot of heartache that I didn't really need to experience in order to grow. Stuff that probably would have helped me grow, but I didn't need it in order to grow. If that makes sense. So I remember she, this was one of the rare, rare occasions she told me that I could go out So I was so excited. I remember I shaved my legs and my arms and my armpits and everything I shaved. And I cut myself so many times because it was one of the first few times that I was like shaving a lot. I did my hair and I did my makeup and I got a new outfit to wear. And I was so excited for him to come and pick me up and take me to the game and then watch him play. And then we were going to get food after. So it was like 20 minutes before the game. And I know the players have to get there pretty early so I was like texting him and I was like hey where are you do you want me to just meet you at school are you gonna still pick me up and he just didn't reply at all for hours so I just sat and I waited and waited and waited and he never texted me or anything and so I remember I just sat in my room and I cried and I cried for so long and I was so upset because this was supposed to be the first time that he was gonna you know take me out and show me out to his friends and have him you know be together and so I guess it was like pretty much after the game because I lived pretty close to the school and so I could hear the fireworks that they did after the game which is why I thought that this was probably a pretty big game I want to say it was homecoming but maybe it wasn't but there was fireworks and I remember hearing them so that meant that the game was in was over I remember I heard the fireworks and I got a text from him pretty shortly after the fireworks were over and he texted me and he was like oh hey sorry my phone was dead which makes no absolute sense like how is your phone dead but then it's charged now maybe you charged it while you were playing but then why wouldn't you charge it before you left the house if you knew you were supposed to pick me up or at least text me from someone else's phone and let me know that you're not coming to get me you know it was just it was a dumb excuse that probably wasn't even true but it doesn't really matter so he texts me and he says hey phone was dead can I still come and pick you up and take you to get some food so this was after the game So I somehow had to convince my mom to let me 
and she knows the game is over at this point. So I had to somehow convince my mom to let me go out, you know, after homecoming. So I told my mom, I think I was honest with her. I think I said I wanted to go out with this guy and he was just going to take me, I think, to Taco Bell or In-N-Out. I don't remember which one I said, but we're just going to go get some food and he's going to take me and then he's just going to drop me back off at home. And my mom was just being very nice this day. I don't know why. It was very rare. This was very rare for her, which breaks my heart even more now thinking about how how much she, you know, wanted to protect me, but she was letting me, you know, have an experience and, you know, go out and experience all these normal teenage things. After a few convincing, I remember I laid on the bed with her and I was just begging her to let me go and she ended up letting me go. He picks me up. I run out of the house because my mom is the type that loves to just like interrogate people and like ask them so many questions. So I remember I ran out of the house once he texted me that he was there and we were in the car and I remember we were driving towards Taco Bell and in and out there in the same parking lot and I remember we were driving towards them and then he makes a turn away like in the opposite direction and we pass it and I'm like where are we going I thought we were gonna go get food because you know like I said I was a very naive girl I was very innocent so I remember asking him like where are we going I thought we were gonna go get food and he was like oh like I don't really actually have any money to go get food but I was just gonna take you to my house and we could watch a movie or something and eat there so I was like okay knowing that that was like gonna take too much time if we watched like a full movie my mom was like not gonna go for that but anyway so we ended up going to his house and and so I remember being weirded out because I'd never been to a guy's house and his parents weren't home and I knew that we weren't supposed to do that. And like I said, I was a very good child and not saying that people who did this stuff were bad people or bad children at all. This is very normal teenage stuff, but I just usually wouldn't want to do it just because I wouldn't want to like go against my morals like that. It was very much my own morals. So I felt weird being there, but I liked him so much. I just thought I was so in love with him that I was just excited that I was even at his house and got to see his room and like where he texts me at night and I just was so excited but I was very nervous so I remember we went upstairs we laid in his bed and he turned on something I don't really remember what it was so we were laying there and I was kind of just like scared and like confused why we were here because I thought we were going to get food <laughs> and then a girl was hungry but okay <laughs> And so we, I remember he started trying to make out with me and I was okay with that. So we made out a little bit and then he just started to get very aggressive with me and it was really weird. And so he started to like put my hands, you know, in inappropriate places and, you know, just kind of like was forcing me into doing different like little acts that I wasn't really okay with then so mostly it was just touching and then he said I I can't actually remember exactly what he said but he said something about well I'm horny or I'm hard now so you need to get me off or something and I was like what do you mean and he was like, well, we're going to have sex. And I was like, sex? Like, I don't want to have sex. I never wanted to have sex. I just for a long time thought I was even asexual. <laughs> Saved myself for marriage or anything. It wasn't like a religious thing. I just always pictured myself, you know, losing my virginity to someone that I loved and someone that I cared for and that I was dating, you know, in a relationship with. Like, I very much wanted it to be like at prom or, you know, like, you know, like a typical teenager that wants to, you know, lose their virginity very special to them, you know? So I just remember saying like, no, no, I don't want to have sex. Like, please, no, I don't want to do that. 
And he was so persistent. He just said, well, and he just said it like, well, I'm horny. Like, you made me like this. And I thought that it was, you know, my fault. Like, I I did this. Like, I led him to believe that I wanted to have sex because clearly he's, you know, turned on and hard. So he can't get that way himself, which is crazy because obviously he can. But at the time, I just, one, I didn't even understand how even sex worked. Like, I was that naive. Like, I was literally just like, what? (laughs) So I just remember thinking like, fuck, like, I did this. Like, this is my fault. I turned him on. So clearly I have to finish it because I did this. Sorry. It's emotional when I talk about this. So excuse me. I'm trying to be as strong as I can, but it's hard. So sorry. I remember he just was so mad that I even was not even considering getting him off. You know how like a lot of teenage boys just feel entitled to your body, especially even men now today, if they get turned on, they think it's like your responsibility or your job to, you know, finish them off. And if you don't, it's like hell. Anyway, so a lot of men have that entitlement that is just awful and weird to me. But I thought, you know, this is my fault. I turned him on, so I have to finish it, but I don't want to have sex. So I remember I just did like oral sex and he finished within like a few seconds, thankfully. Then he looked at me and he's like, all right, you can, we can, I can take you home now. And I was like, okay. And then, so he turned off, he turned off the TV, turned back on all the lights and I remember he went into the bathroom I stole a piece of like a gum wrapper because I'm weird for some reason whenever I am in like a situation where I'm with a guy or like I am like in a special situation or like I don't know something like that I take something so that I remember it and I didn't really remember feeling traumatized from this situation because I didn't under I at the time was under the impression that it was my fault that I had turned him on so I it was my job to finish him so I remember I took his gum wrapper it was a trident gum packaging and it was like one of the green ones and I took that from his desk I put it in my pocket and he took me downstairs I sat on the couch and I remember he just kept looking at me and he was just like looked disgusted with me almost and just like looked at me and he said well I would make you like I guess some food or something but my mom's gonna come home and I know she's not gonna want to see a black person sitting on her couch so let's go we got in the car he starts playing rap music I don't remember who the artist was or anything but he starts playing like random rap music and he goes like this is the kind of music that black people like right like this is the kind of music that you know fucking black people like so I'll play this stuff for you and like knowing I didn't even know who that fucking was like I said I was into like rock and paramore and like panic at the disco I didn't know who these random people were not that I didn't listen to other forms of music you know like mainstream music on the radio it's just that I it's not like I was a rap expert just because I'm black you know so I remember he's playing all this rap music he's saying the n-word he's looking at me when he says the n-word hard n-word even if the even if the song was saying nigga he would say nigger like instead just to like be awful I guess and I remember he then went into the Taco Bell drive-thru and he ordered himself food and didn't get me anything and said I only have money to buy myself food sorry even though he had just said before on our way there that he didn't have any money at all to buy food at all but he ended up only getting himself like 
three or so burritos, something like he could have given me one of them, you know, and he ended up only getting himself food and then he dropped me off back at home and that was that. That whole experience really fucked with me a lot, uh, especially now that I'm older and I think about it a lot more. I've definitely forgiven all of these men in my life because I have to in order to grow and learn for me personally and every person is different you don't have to forgive your abuser you don't have to forgive people who assault you at all but for me that is what I felt like I had to do. So the last situation that I want to talk about, I remember when I met my ex-boyfriend's dad and he was not into black people at all. He, I remember when I first met him, he like called me tire because, you know, tires are black and dark. And my name is Tyra. So it kind of sounds like tire. So he would call me tire instead of Tyra and I remember when I first went to his house he had this huge confederate flag hanging from his window and he would like purposely say the n-word over and over and over again I think just to like assert his dominance and I remember he would say well this is my house and it it, it got a that's one of the stories that did get a lot better it's gotten it was it, it got so much better and we ended up having a way better relationship and I ended up changing his perspective and opinions so much so that is a story that has a little bit more of a happy ending but I remember he had like a confederate flag and Nazi flags and Nazi memorabilia and it was very 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 scary. <laughs> it has just been difficult for me with racism because it's so damaging and it's hard to unlearn it and I didn't really start to accept my blackness until I was in college I really started to become more accepting of my skin and love who I am and now I love I love 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 being black there's not obviously I have little things still left over in my head where I feel less than a lot it's something that I have to actively unlearn I constantly feel especially now that it's very popular for white women to monetize their big butts and big lips and dreads and braids and things that I got absolutely like terrorized for. Whew, sorry. <laughs> I it's it's weird just to see, you know, stuff that I got just annihilated, just destroyed and had my entire childhood and confidence completely terrorized for. And now it's like trendy for white women to have big butts and like big lips and they go and, and get all these surgeries and monetize black futures that on black women, it's not the same. We don't get the same kind of love. And although now, you know, big butts and big boobs and stuff like that is and having like a small waist is very popular now, like all these things that like we would get, especially braids and dreads that we would just get tortured for is now very popular and now very common and it's interesting to just see the way that whiteness works the way that as long as they accept something as valid it is a social norm and white people they 
the people in power, so white people, typically shape social norms. So typically, you know, if you had braids or baby hairs or like if you slicked, I remember my mom would slick down my baby hairs and I would hate it. I would hate it. I would be like, no, don't do it because people would make fun of that. And now it's very like, and I'm not saying it's wrong to slick down your baby hairs. I do think wearing braids and dreads and all of that and getting like lip, huge lip fillers and stuff like that is really weird. I don't really necessarily hate even lip fillers. Like if you have really thin lips and you want to, you know, plump your lips up a little bit or overline your lips, that's not really a big problem. But it's like now it's like they're literally their lips are bigger than mine and their tans are darker than mine. And you're wearing the same skin, the same foundation shade as me when I get absolutely terrorized and killed for even looking like this and you just think it's a funny cool trend that when it's over and you guys move on to something different you guys can just take it off. I wanted to share these stories mostly because I there isn't like a happy like not like not like there's not a happy ending but I the reason I wanted to talk about this and share this was because I know that there are other black women out there who needed to hear this. I know that there are white men and white women who can listen to this and understand a little bit more what it's like to just see the futures and see the things that I got bullied for just even being black, even being dark skin now be monetized by white people for looks and aesthetic purposes when we were completely destroyed for them. And I just think that even if you are a person of color who has been terrorized and assaulted by white men, it's so it's it's so common and it hap- it's happened so many times throughout history. You guys know I'm a huge history nerd. I love to study black history and there is just so many accounts and stories of black women being terrorized by white men and it's still happening today so I just wanted to bring awareness to that and hopefully as a society we can prevent what happened to me to happening to other women because there's I mean there's so many stories that I could have shared today that I have never told anyone (laughs) that I don't think I ever will you know and that was just a small snippet of things that I'm even feeling comfortable to share. So just know that the things that I don't want to share are worse, you know, and it's all fueled and powered by racism and superiority that white people, especially white men, feel entitled to black minds and black bodies, especially of women. And I know that women, white women are also, and white men, obviously, and men in general are assaulted as well. And I know that there are so many stories of black men who are, have the same situation happen to them with either white males in like a gay relationship or a bisexual or whatever kind of relationship or they will have the same thing happen to them with white women who will kind of sexualize them and um, especially little black boys are highly sexualized in our society too just like um, black women so I just wanted to talk about this to help hopefully help someone even if it helped one person either learn or feel less alone hopefully this helped I feel so weird being this vulnerable I think it was a little bit easier because I've already talked about these stories on Twitter a little bit. So I think it was a little bit easier for me to come out and I hope to be more vulnerable and I hope to share more about me in the future because I do think that stories like this will help shape and mold like a better future for black women because we deserve it and we deserve justice and I deserve justice and women in general deserve justice. So I'm going to end it here. I'm going to eat some food, maybe a Beyond Burger. I'm going to eat a double Beyond Burger because I'm very sad right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I'm very emotional. And um, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please rate this on Apple Podcast. The more ratings that I get, the higher the podcast will show up in the search results. So um, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please let me know. And if you guys want to vent at all about something, um, please let me know. I'm always open to talking to you guys. You guys can DM me or email me. You can email me at tirethetaurus at gmail.com or you can DM me at tirethetaurus on Twitter or Instagram. Any social media platform, feel free to reach out. Feel free to talk to me. Feel free to tell me your thoughts and opinions about this episode or any other episode. I'm totally willing to hear them out. So thank you guys for tuning in and I hope that you guys like this podcast and this podcast episode and I will see you guys in my next episode. Bye.